Hello, welcome to a new episode of Podrick the Podcast, the incremental podcast that adds some more value. I'm your host, Maor Sadra, CEO and co-founder of Incremental. In this third season of our pod, we came with a theme called Exploring the Universe. The idea was to pick wild hypothetical scenarios that are likely never going to happen and interview industry experts to see how their mind operates and how their own thoughts of how likely these scenarios are to happen. If there is one thing most of us know about our industry is that just because it has a low chance of happening, it doesn't mean it won't. Today's episode features Paul Kowalski, who's a growth marketing manager at Self Financial. Paul comes with around eight years of experience in a wild and crazy marketing world. Paul and I spoke about net worth targeting at Snapdoc or TickSnap or StickStock. You'll get it when you listen to the episode. It was awesome speaking with Paul and I hope you'll enjoy listening to this episode. Time for a legal disclaimer. Note, any opinions expressed by Paul do not reflect any official views of Self Financial Incorporated. I got it. Yeah, I want. You know, they should allow me to customize it. Like Big Brother is listening. That would scare me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone ever clicked that. Nope, I'm out. I also wonder who who's listening to all the meetings that have been recorded that I've been in. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. The amount of time people ask me to, can you record the meeting? I, I'll do it. No problem. It's like an hour long meeting. Um, I'm like sometimes feel sorry for the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the cloud must be so heavy with Zoom recordings that no one will ever listen to. <laughs> cool. Uh, Paul, um, so this is the first time you're on our podcast. So please uh, introduce yourself. Go go wild with like background. Sure. Um, so I'm Paul Kowalski. Um, I work as a growth marketing manager at Self. Um, Self is a credit building app uh, and we have millions of uh, customers building their credit. Um, I've been working in paid advertising for for seven years now. Um, and yeah, I feel like I, more interest more recently, very interested in um, incrementality, which is how we be I came connected to Mayor and I'm excited to run through some hypothetical questions. Cool. And seven years in marketing is like 49 years in human years. So um, what did you do before self? Yeah. Um, before self, I was uh, running paid ads at a company called Rally, uh, which is a, another investing app for alternative assets. That was a really interesting one because what Rally does is takes alternative assets like collectible cars, baseball cards, rare watches, and securitizes them, converts them into securities that you can invest in. Um, and let's just say running Facebook ads for that type of product was interesting because it wasn't something very easy to explain in a, in a Facebook ad. Um, and before that, I, I was at a couple other startups, kind of started my career in sales and then realized I like the, the marketing side of things a little bit better. Cool. Well, uh, well, so welcome to the pod. Um, the theme of this series, this is series number three. Uh, we called it Exploring the Multiverse. And the whole idea is that, you know, you have uh, parallel universes where everything like that could happen is happening somewhere. Um, so I pose crazy hypothetical questions that are very likely not to happen, but who knows, might happen. Uh, and the idea, again, is not to kind of like prepare for every possible scenarios, but the idea was 
again, you as a veteran in this industry, what do you think of this like hypothetical likelihood of this happening? What could increase the likelihood of this happening? And how would it influence you, like you, Paul, uh, in your day to day? Um, so starting with one, which I, I really actually like this question, and I think I shared it. I shared a couple of options with you, and I was really glad you picked it. We are now in a privacy-centric world where user data is pretty much like, like disappearing from the world. But what if um, the world suddenly went the other way and you could actually get a person's net worth as part of the ad signal? Yeah, um, a very interesting question and, and a timely one. Um, I think it makes sense to maybe start with thinking about the potential of this and where that data would actually be compiled from. So if we think about a net worth, uh, maybe it's even helpful to start with definition. Like to me, when I think of net worth, I think of a person's uh, individual's assets minus their liabilities. But would you define net worth in a, in a different way? No, no. I think that's, that's a clear definition of the net worth. And so, uh, when you look at net worth, is that something that could even be calculated using sources that are available uh, online, right? I think that um, if I thought about some of the sources, it, it would be, you know, uh, banks would have access to credit card information. Um, you have investment platforms that, that would be able to kind of work that other way. Um, maybe access to some um, someone's other assets like like their home and and things like that. Um, is it even possible to compile all of these things in a way to calculate someone's net worth? So, or is it not? You know, to share, you, know? Um, uh, so, you know what I'm thinking about it. So let's say again, either if you have an iOS device or or an Android device, your bank app is probably there, and you might be using credit card as well um, on your like um, phone. So the data is there. Let's say if there is a big brother on your device, they know your net worth. So it must be there. Okay. Any assets you own, the ones you want to disclose and not want to disclose, it's there. Okay. So the data must be available. And again, we are talking about a, um, what is it like a dystopian um, hypothetical dimension where this data is not just accessible, it's also shared. Mm. within the ad signal. Your name is is stripped out. You're still anonymous. I don't know your Paul, but I do know your net worth. And now I can essentially target based on net worth and do other stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And the, the other thing about net worth is like, it is an indication. Is it really an indication of consumer behavior? M meaning that... Um, is there a correlation between certain high-priced items and a person's net worth? Because we do live in this kind of society where a lot of people can purchase things on credit. Um, and so there are certain items where you would think, yeah, it would make sense to target someone with a higher net worth, probably like very luxury items. But there's probably other like seemingly high-priced items that might not necessarily correlate directly uh, because sometimes somebody that has a higher net worth might just be, might be a little bit more frugal, right? Like, um, so I think about those audience characteristics and that's like something that came, came to mind. 
I think from an analytic standpoint, by the way, like the ability to understand audiences better. So take demographics right now. Like what ad signals on a user level did give advertisers is at least kind of, kind of an ability to map out audiences. And I think with the user level data going away, like a lot of the ability to understand your audiences beyond your own product is diminishing. You simply don't have this data anymore. And I would always see that if you could get this data, for sure, like, I don't know, if you want to target like uh, very rich people or very poor people, unfortunately, zip codes um, is uh, just as good of a way um, to do that, let's face it. Um, but as, an, as a data point, I think it would be pretty interesting to actually get. Um, yeah. what, do you think, what do you think the chances are of any of the like ad platforms saying, you know, we have this data. This is not ad platforms. This is like probably the devices saying, well, Apple says and Google says, hey, we have your data. Uh, we're going to disclose that in the ad targeting. I think probably pretty low to a certain extent. Um, yeah. And if they did, I don't think they would want to openly share that. Um, but again, like I, I'm still very hung up on this thing of like, how valuable is it? And like how how much of an indication does it give us into the audience? Like this is what uh, be, be, I just think about even someone with a negative net worth, it could be a doctor earning $200,000 a year, but they have a lot of student loan debt. And so their negative net worth looks, it looks bad, um, but maybe from a consumer's perspective, it doesn't necessarily align with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So the question is again, so, you know, okay, so let's make it a little bit more difficult for you. What if you could get projected net worth as part of the ad signal? I think it would definitely be helpful. Um, yeah, for sure. It, it's, it's one more, it's one more signal that could be an indication of a performance um, in, in the industry that I play in. Um, we would probably skew toward we we you know ideally target someone with lower income because people with lower income um, have a better outcome with our product generally and that's more of our our audience um, and so if we were to to target net worth that would be probably something we look at like lower net worth or or even negative in in some circumstances um, yeah. So, There's definitely some ethical concerns to that, though, for sure. Yeah, for sure. No, we're talking about a dystopian, uh, <laughs> dystopian dimension, and hopefully we don't get there there. But I, I think you worked in like the world of Facebook API advertising as well in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Now, like from what I know, like in the past when you could control a lot of the targeting aspect on Facebook, people sometimes indeed went super granular, but then actually saw that you are probably better off not going granular because when you go super granular, A, you're increasing your own bids and you're not really guaranteeing good performance. You're just potentially like increasing the risk because you're going to be bidding substantially high versus if you cast a wide net, you're going to catch a lot more fish. Sure. These will be big fish. Mm -hmm. So do you think, again, if net worth would be part of the ad signal tomorrow morning, would you be the one... Would you be one of those that says, we're going to now segment and target or say business as usual? It's a great signal, but business as usual. Yeah. Um, 
I take a philosophy of constant experimentation. So um, I've seen broad audience work, interest audience work, lookalike audience work, retargeting audiences work. Um, and so whenever someone asks me, you know, does it make sense to go broad or makes sense to go more targeted? I think it depends. Let's test it and we'll see in your specific scenario. Um, what I would say is there's also a difference between uh, targeting a specific audience and optimizing for a specific audience. Meaning if we're talking about uh, it being part of the, the ad signal, we could target someone specifically for their net worth. Um, but if we're targeting a broad audience and then we're bidding to a specific event, would the signal of net worth help us to better optimize towards that event? Right. Is that one more thing that uh, we can then say within a broad audience, this is something that helps us to narrow in a little bit more? Yeah, again, I, I think that as a, as a signal on its own, it could be like fantastic to, to have. Indeed, I don't see the extreme practical usage when it comes to targeting only this users or that users. Like, I think it wouldn't make sense. Would you think, again, so if we're still talking that this is dystopian, what could increase the chances of this happening? It's usually a follow-up question I've asked about every hypothetical. For this one, it's a little bit difficult, but what could increase the chances of this happening? Yeah. Um, well, I think high level, it could be a shift in kind of consumer sentiment to be more open to sharing this type of information. If we think about kind of moving towards a metaverse of virtual universe, is something like net worth something that someone would want to publicly disclose almost to kind of brag about um, as a kind of, as a, yeah, um, as look what I've done. I think that could potentially increase the likelihood of it happening, but on the one end of the spectrum, right? It it wouldn't be likely that someone that has a bunch of debt wants to disclose it. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm looking more from like a consumer perspective with that shift. I don't know from kind of a uh, regulatory perspective, like what would need to happen. Do you have a, a thought on that? No, so you know, I'm I'm thinking about it. So, yeah, I get I get the bragging rights if you are like if your net worth is extremely positive. I I, I get that. I wouldn't be one of those. But <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, when I'm thinking of like targeting and user level targeting and personalization, I've always thought like advertising and personalization of ads is like not a bad thing. Like I don't know, show me relevant stuff. Um, <sighs> like again, if if I'm now in debt and I like. I'm missing out on products that could actually help me. Personally, like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the ads I see are for products I don't know about that could help me. So yeah. am I happy to put my name behind it on the open world? No, um, but am I happy to see relevant ads? 100% yes. But again, maybe right. that's my opinion. Yeah, well, and... I feel like there's also a difference between uh, somebody wanting to disclose their information 
to specifically get a benefit from that versus them feeling that they're disclosing it to this wide world of advertisers trying to sell them something, right? So if I were trying to build my financial future and I was working with a coach and I signed up on a coach's website and it said, what's your net worth? I'm going to tell that coach because I know that that coach is going to be working to give me a benefit. But if it's kind of like, I would disclose my net worth to Apple, I'm kind of like, am I getting, I don't know, right? So that I can get these targeted ads. But I do agree with you that like targeted ads are are better than non-targeted ads for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Now let's move to another hypothetical. I'm, I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm glad you picked the ones you picked because usually people don't pick them. People want to go for the easier ones. Um, this one is about Snapchat and TikTok. So what if Snapchat and TikTok decide, you know what, it's hard for us to fight with like the bigger social platform, Meta. So we're going to merge. Basically, starting tomorrow, you get SnapTalk or Tech Talk tick snap something like that but what if the, the two like i think number two and three biggest social platforms excluding instagram merge together into snap talk or tick snap yeah um do you have a preference on naming for that no not really <laughs> and by the way i think both companies are going to hate me for for using this the question <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, and, and both Snap and, and TikTok, uh, you know, they, they definitely compete with each other to a certain extent. And I think that, uh, you know, I oversee a lot of the, uh, or I oversee paid creative production at, itself and, um, vertical video, man, like vertical video, right? You produce that and you have access to Snap, TikTok, uh, Instagram Reels, uh, YouTube Shorts, um, and so from a bang for your buck situation, I think a lot of advertisers are uh, starting to lean into to vertical video. Um, what if Snap, what if, what if it becomes SnapTalk? Uh, I was looking up numbers and it would become the third largest social media platform. Um, so uh, Facebook and YouTube kind of being number one and, and number two, um, but Snap and who who knows the most recent numbers, but Snap has a run around 750 million monthly actives um, and TikTok has 1.6 billion. Um, so yeah, TikTok actually has um, almost twice as much or yeah, than, than, uh, than Snap. Um, I guess like, where do you want to start? Do you want, do you want to start from a perspective of merging these two products together in their features or do you want to start from like what's the likelihood of this actually happening ah, i think i think likelihoods unless you're gonna surprise me like with oh i think it's like 60 percent, and i have uh, the insider track which i don't think um i think the likelihood is gonna be low okay yeah not zero but low yeah do you do you think that um if TikTok continues to go down this path where it finds itself in the middle of a geopolitical uh, war, that something like this to lessen the blow could be interesting to them? Okay, so you're, by the way, that would have been my question. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, but, but that's indeed like, you know, so 
it's not zero it's low currently but it's not zero and indeed this could be a catalyst so you know and again you if, if you've been in this industry for a while you know while we talk this might be happening right yeah um you and and it, it could be it could be um i think from a consumer perspective again they kind of play in in very different fields like i while i was i was kind of reminding myself of of the different features of of tiktok and and snap and why people really use them and to me i i see snap as uh this platform more for kind of sharing your moments with your friends and they have a lot of tools to make that easier for you to to do one of my friends was telling me he uses snap uh, a bunch and um he he's more likely to send me videos via snap versus instagram like stories because when you open snap it's to the camera right away um it's immediate and you can uh share a perspective and, and send it to your friends um meanwhile instagram stories are not really like that you have to take like seven steps before you can do that tiktok on the other end and I think is more about just like content consumption, content creation. A lot of the, the features that they're kind of building out are, are more around just like consuming really interactive, engaging contact, uh, content. So it's like, if those two merge, how, how does that, how does that happen? Like, what are the advantages to, to each? Um, I'm not really sure. I, I think that Snap seems to be taking a big bet on augmented reality, and that's kind of like where where they're moving. So, would TikTok want something like that? Um, I don't know. But I would imagine that again. So, other than the features and let's say unifying the app, the question is about the audiences. So, again, if one of them has what seven hundred million and the other one is okay. one point six, how much of this audience is overlapping? Oh, for sure. Um, a lot, a, a large percentage, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't have demographics in front of me. I would assume that. Well, who knows? Like, which one? TikTok seems to be has this idea of the younger generation, but but Snap Snap does too to a certain extent. Um, over indexing on these, so it is most of that over indexing in kind of a younger age demographic um and i guess the quite another question is like uh who seeks to benefit more from this right um i feel like tiktok probably yeah um, would have more leverage in the negotiating table um yeah and i know that snap's been struggling like if you take a look at snap's stock over the past year it's not looking too good so no, I, I agree that the, like the um, again, regardless of the name, um, it would be the, TikTok would be the stronger player in that deal, um, and in a way, it, it's it could make sense because uh, especially now with what's going on TikTok, United States government, federal government, I know banning what is it an hour TikTok a day? I don't know. I'm like I sometimes like you know can't um, can't catch up with everything that's going on in the news, um, especially when it comes to like TikTok versus US federal government. Um, but I always read stuff and I don't know, it might be banned, might be not banned and so on. So it could make a lot of sense, especially by the way, when you think about it. So for sure, both platforms have young audiences right now. And for many marketers, many brands, 
this is not like a relevant market because they are not yet consumers slash spending. But think yeah. of uh, think of Facebook like twenty years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, you know, I I have this conversation all the time, which is to say that like just because uh, your audience doesn't over index in a specific channel doesn't mean that they're not there, and there might also be like open space for you. TikTok's one in particular, like, you know, we think about like producing more like marketing content like we're doing right now. And the obvious one is go on LinkedIn, um, of course. But uh, how many marketers are consuming TikTok and how many marketers are producing content for TikTok, right? Um, so I, I do think that like some of these older age demographic, like they're still there to a certain extent. Um, yeah. What yeah. do you think? So what do you think the likelihood of this happening? Tick snap, snap talk. Yeah. Um, TikTok such an interesting one because it is almost like integral to kind of young American culture right now. I'm sure if you walked into a any high school in the United States, like they're probably sharing TikToks with each other. Um, and I don't know what the the Gen the Gen Zers are doing, but it's like I I when I think about TikTok, I, I think about kind of young American people, right? Like uh like like high high schoolers and, and middle schoolers. <laughs> and then I think about like China, US. Uh so it has this very like challenging PR problem right now. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we're, we're recording this in 2023. Um, we're getting up on election season. Um, TikTok's going to be part of those conversations. Like if you don't think that TikTok is going to be mentioned at some point in presidential election season, like campaign season, um, it, it will something like this could kind of lessen the blow a little bit um i'm not a uh i'm not a uh venture capitalist and I, I don't i don't know like technically the likelihood but uh i think it could be beneficial for for tiktok um and honestly also beneficial from for for snap because autumn like you get this uh you know you increase your your user base um definitely more revenue opportunity. You know, if you think about advertising revenue, like do you not think that TikTok's eating some of that from Snap, right? Um, so there's kind of benefits to, to each side here from my perspective. Yeah, I always think that like, so when, when Facebook bought Instagram, this was actually don't even remember how many years ago, six, seven, eight, something like that. Um, in a way, when you think about it, it was like the best acquisition they did back then. It wasn't even that expensive after they acquired WhatsApp for $18 billion. Um, People said Zuckerberg was crazy for that, to pay that amount for, WhatsApp. for Instagram. Ah, no, for, for Instagram. For Instagram, this was a very good acquisition. Same as when Google acquired YouTube, this was like amazing. Um, no, so I, I could, again, the question is, could TikTok by Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat is publicly uh, listed and their stock is currently down, but TikTok is also. Um, so 
I, I by the way, I would say fifteen percent, one five. Fifteen percent of this happening within the next year. Within the next, that's that's pretty high. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit lower and, and say five percent. Um, yeah, but it would be a very weird world to live in, and I just wonder the type of the type of product features. Um, you know, you asked a a different one of the questions you sent uh, was like if Elon would buy um, Meta, I think, which I started like. <laughs> Um, kind of thinking about, um, yeah, TikTok also is just in this very interesting cultural moment. Um, I don't know. And I feel like Snap is just one that people are using to, to still share with their friends. Um, by the way, I, so I personally think when I'm glad you mentioned vertical video, because I I personally think, and again, we see it quite a bit, like we see, we measure a lot of ad spend on TikTok, we measure a lot of ad spend on Snap as well. And often we don't see it as like top performers. And I'm going to put a very strong disclaimer, like incremental will never do an index. We're never going to say this channel is great. This channel is not so great because performance in parenthesis is completely relative to every single advertiser timing country. Um, on the other hand, again, I, I often think that many marketers don't yet get how to monetize on TikTok and Snapchat, the audience. I also think the audience is maybe not yet there, but I always think, again, the audience grows, means that the people who are now on TikTok that, let's say, maybe 13 or 14 or 15, well, in two, three years from now, they're going to have credit cards and bank accounts of their own. Same went for like uh, Facebook. Um, so I mean, the world changes and you're not going to keep the same audience because guess what? In like 10 years from now, there's going to be a new social platform that we have no idea what it is. And we're going to be like, at least I'm going to be much older uh, by then. Um, we'll not get it. And probably as a marketer, we'll also not get it. So I think that right now, anyone that finds the formula Okay, and formula would be marketing, messaging, creative, timing, price, targeting, segmentation, offer, everything to make those channels work. They have a huge unfair advantage over their competitors. Yeah, um, I think what what TikTok has done has like been to. shift the way that consumers are, well, shift the way that people are consuming content um, to this very like short form, clipped, uh, entertaining way, which actually gets repurposed into other channels as well. Um, And so even if your target audience isn't on TikTok, the content style and theme of TikTok is now appearing in other areas as well. Um, And so I feel like it's obviously always worth paying attention to. Um, And I just think about this too, again, you know, producing a lot of, a lot of content that is aimed to get users to take some sort of action. Um, 
people are making these decisions in 15 second increments, um, which is, you know, kind of wild to think about. Um, but then I also, I also see brands doing it wrong and saying, Hey, we can, you know, try to explain this in, in two minutes. And yeah. Um, hmm. No, I think, I think maybe even 10 years ago, I already read a study that if a video on YouTube buffers for longer than one second, and 90% of people will drop out. Um, again, this was when we didn't have the internet speeds we have today. So, and I remember back then that got me thinking like, oh my God, like we are moving over to a future where like the level of attention is either instant or just not there. So you sure. have to nail the message instantly to show the value instantly, otherwise, Next, swipe, scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that there there's obviously ways to, to keep uh, consumers engaged um, longer uh, by, by building that out a little bit more. I, I think like uh, what we're talking about <clears throat> with Snap and TikTok is just the fact that like you have to produce things in a window to get customers to take the next intended action. And that's your only goal with some of these, these channels. And you don't really necessarily need to explain too much. Um, something I struggle with at, at self being a uh, heavily regulated FinTech with a very, um, <clears throat> very strong compliance uh, department is that sometimes uh, our compliance team wants us to explain every technical piece of our product in an ad um you know how to get the credit card uh every single part of the application process and i tell them you know for the most part someone's going to consume the ad and become interested about this product and then they land on the landing page and they learn more and your job in the ad is to get them to be interested enough to want to learn more and get them into your ecosystem um, so. I, I do, I do hope your videos doesn't, doesn't have this like, um, American radio where at the end of the radio commercial, you have this like verbal disclaimer that is like someone speaking at times 50, the speed, um, for you to get all the legal disclaimer. I'm, I'm assuming that's what sometimes compliance teams want. Uh, and then, you know, it's up to you and us, like you and I, people like us to explain, um, no, not really going to do that. Um, that, so that was, another, that was another thing that I kind of thought about with the, the ad, the ad signals, uh, question, um, from a, from a regulatory perspective, there are very specific restrictions, uh, based on it's called housing credit employment advertisers on who you can target. Right. So I cannot target someone based on their household income, but if I am targeting a broad audience in Facebook, and then I'm optimizing to an event, one of the signals that they use to probably identify that audience is household income, right? So it's a very interesting nuance. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think from a, a policy perspective, there there's really been an answer to some of these more like algorithmic uh, machine learning models um, on you know targeting specific users. I think time will tell, or FTC will tell, who knows, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paul, uh, thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure uh, having you on our pod. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was great. It was fun to to think about these things. I, I do think uh, the second question uh, is a little bit more likely to happen than the than the first. I don't I don't think we're going to see net worth and ad signals anytime soon, but uh, Snap Talk might be a thing. <laughs> so your your vote is Snap Talk. Not I think yeah. Snap. Well, I, I like I like the I think Snap Talk is is cool because uh, I don't know. I I feel like a snap talk like uh, there's something interesting <laughs> to that yeah okay well hope, hopefully by the way we get some shares for the combined entity if they do merge who knows yeah. maybe maybe it's this podcast it's like you know we didn't think about it but that's how we we came to think that <laughs> it's the right thing things have happened by the way like if you look at some aol acquisitions from the early 2000s it's because someone came up with AOL might acquire Bebo, and then AOL acquired Bebo. And I know the story. It came, the acquisition came due to the article, not the other way around. Really? Yeah. So things happen. Okay. <laughs> uh, it would be very interesting if we're that influential, but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Cool. So thank you very much, and have a nice rest of the day. Awesome. Thank you, my friend.